influential music editors and journalists about how Latin music has been increasingly permeating mainstream culture. They offer tips to our creative community about how to grow as an artist and gain more visibility for editorial and journalistic consumption. For our next panel titled Latina Entrepreneurs on the Rise, we have three amazing women in public relations who represent some of the most groundbreaking artists and creators right now. They are Jimena Acosta, entertainment strategist and communication consultant with clients ranging from Interscope Records, Sony Music, and more. We also have Daniel Quebrado Jimenez, founder of No Other Agency, who has represented some of the biggest artists, such as The Weeknd, ASAP Rocky, Miguel, and plenty more. And last but not least, Mari Ronquillo, CEO and founder of Limelight Media, who has represented A-listers such as Jennifer Lopez, Halle Berry, Kanye West, Sesh, Tiny, and many others. Hello, ladies. How's it going? How are you guys feeling? Hi. We're great. How are you? Awesome. I'm yeah. doing good. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing about all the things that you guys do. Um, I really um, admire like the, the rosters that you guys have, who, how you guys manage that, um, how you guys built the business. So we're going to talk about all of that. But first, I also want to get into you guys introducing yourselves a bit. Tell us a bit more about your background and anything else that you want. Our audience to know about you. We'll start with Jimena. I was going to go. I was going to say I'll go last. Um, <laughs> you could, okay, yeah. Well, because I either go last. I go last because of the X or first because of the A. So it depends. Got it. <laughs> right. So um, I'm Jimena Costa, and I've worked in the Latin music space for a lot longer than I would like to admit, because it ages me once I tell people how long I've been around. But I've been around for quite a while, and I completely stumbled. I've always said that you. The, the people that want to work in music don't always make it into music because I feel like music chooses you. It's like if you're meant to be in this space and you're meant to work in this industry, it'll find you. Trust me, I've tried to get away from it a bazillion times, and somehow I always end up back here. Um, I started my career actually in marketing in New York, uh, working for MAC Cosmetics and uh, I moved to LA after watching an Oprah episode of this woman that had moved to California and her life completely changed because she had quality of life. And I called my mom and was like, I'm moving to California. And I had never been here. I didn't know anybody here. And I just, I moved and I continued working in marketing. And then, um, by a fluke, by a coincidence, I met the guy who was running LATV at the time. And LATV back in the day was the only channel that was doing bilingual music content. And it was live. Um, and I remember that I started working for them and I just, I loved music. I, I told my boyfriend at the time that if like, if that was what I was meant to be doing the rest of my life and I didn't get paid for it, that I was going to do it with a huge smile on my face for the rest of my life. And I've been very fortunate to work in, you know, gigantic labels. I ran the, the publicity department for Machete Music, which was the first reggaeton label out there. And we broke Don Omar, we seen Yandel. Daddy Yankee, Angeli Cris, like the roster goes on and on and on during a time where pop was ruling the world and nobody believed in reggaeton. Everybody was like, what? What is this? What is that? I had to promise my firstborn to every single journalist everywhere so they could help us out. Um, and from there, I was, I, was, I was at Machete for about five years and then I decided to go work on my own. Um, I've loved movements. I, I love putting cultural movements on the map. 
Um, I think it's amazing to break artists, but when you're really taking a culture and really seeing like how that could shift, it's amazing. I recently also ran um, publicity for Rancho Milde, which is the, it's an all small independent label behind um, Natanael Cano, Fuerza Regida, the whole Corridos Trap, uh, urban regional, as I labeled it when I first met them, I was like, "This is this is the answer to the urban movement on the East Coast, on the West Coast." And I really believe in the genre. I feel like it still has ways to go. Um, I call it the like you can go anywhere in the world, and there's a taco or a Mexican restaurant. And I I have the same thing about this music. It's like there are Mexicans everywhere in the world that are so proud of their culture, and this is kind of like the new something that has that was designed for the second and third generations and i think people are going to embrace it like i dream of like one of these bands playing at the montreux mm -hmm. jazz festival something along those lines you know what i mean i see them touring in europe like to me it's something that has so many layers because they're blending it right now there's a big emo corrido thing um i'm going to start working with a new artist that i'm super excited about that has something to do with that there's another one that's doing like bossa nova and regional so there are so many layers that are coming together. So that's a little bit of my background. Um, I also work with a lot of the majors on their developing artists. And yes, I'm sorry, I'm taking too much. Amazing. I know I love I love it. I love it. I definitely we're gonna get into a lot of those artists and we'll talk about trap corridos in a little bit. Uh Danielle, can you please uh introduce yourself to give us more about what your background and who you're working mm -hmm. with, what projects you're doing? Yeah, of course. So I have my own company, it's called No Other Agency, and I specialize in I focus on working with marginalized artists and teams so people of color women people from the lgbtqi plus community you know there it's i think we can all kind of understand that uh, as publicists for the most part um you know when artists of color black brown artists you know start a career have a career their publicists usually don't look like them you know so naturally there's a disconnect even if it's like if you're a latino artist and your publicist is not latino or if you're a black artist you know so you know, I was having a lot of conversations with a lot of artists about how they felt disconnected because, you know, there's just a natural disconnect there. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to start this company a year and a half ago and it's become incredibly successful. And, you know, it goes deeper than just getting press. It's, you could see that artists now, teams, people in the music industry are wanting deeper things. They want connections, they want relationships, you know? So. Uh, that's my specialty. I have been doing press for over 10 years. I've started a small indie PR firm working on like super indie experimental artists. Then I went to Atlantic Records. I was there for a couple years. Not my cup of tea. <laughs> I worked at a, I worked at another uh, independent company where I worked on you know EXO, you know The Weeknd, Miguel, ASAP Rocky, uh, Steve Angelo, Swedish House Mafia. I think one of the things that you know, I'm super proud of is that I exist in so many different spaces and so many genres. So I've worked EDM, I've worked, you know, uh, rock bands, I've worked, um, you know, experimental artists, really niche artists, Latino artists, everything, because I think something that is very important to me is that, you know, I'm first generation, my mom is from Mexico, um, and my identity, my, my lived experiences are such a big part of who I am in my work. And you know, I know that growing up as a first generation, dark skinned Latina in Orange County, and my mom's a housekeeper that I grew up 
using music as a way to find my identity, you know, and I grew up on punk music and I learned English listening to Motown and my sister put me onto rap and all these different things. So I know that a lot of young kids of color are so many different things. We're not just, just because you're black doesn't mean you listen to only rap music. Just because you're Latino doesn't mean you only listen to rancheras, you know? So for me, it was super important to be able to, if I really wanted to represent my artists in the best way, most authentically, it was, you know, being able to exist in these different spaces, because as you know, and all of us know, our artists are so multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's proven to be very successful and it's very fulfilling for me. So, you know, I think uh, I think all of us here, because we've all gone off on our own, we kind of, we all have our very, you are very mission driven, right? We have things that we want. And I think we learn a lot from our companies and where we worked, but I think we've all decided that, you know, we are better off on our own. Yeah, I love that, totally. Yeah. Mari? Hi, guys. I'm Mari Ronquillo, um, and I am the founder of Limelight Media. Um, I started Limelight, um, I'd say, about 13 years ago. Um, I had never worked in publicity, but I knew that it was what I wanted to do. I was uh, working at a radio station, um, doing production, and I was meeting a ton of artists that were asking me for help. Um, and, you know, I was helping them. I didn't know exactly what it was called, but I was helping them. And then this artist came in who was huge and still is huge at the time, um, T-Pain, and was like, um, you need to get out of here and start your own PR company. And I did. Um, over the years, obviously, like, you know, it was, it was a struggle because I had never done PR. So I had to, you know, I had to like really learn. Um, I had to like really, you know, back in the day, the internet wasn't what it was now. So starting your own company 15 years ago was, was tough and not having anybody to kind of help, um, or mentor. I didn't have anybody. I kind of just did it on my own. Um, but, you know, my, both of my parents are immigrants. My mom is Mexican and my dad is Filipino. Um, but seeing them come in, come to this country and be successful um, and raise kids, I had to, like, really, like, push forward. Um, so, you know, halfway through my career, that's when I started working with, like, bigger names. One of the biggest people that I've worked with was Jennifer Lopez, who absolutely changed my career. Um, and, um, yeah. And so, I mean, I just kind of, I, I've been doing it for so long now that it's, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I love and have been very successful at. I've helped other people, you know, with their companies and start their own as well. And, you know, I have amazing people that support me and are a part of, um, my growth and my success. I love that. And especially that all of you uh, took the path of uh, doing it on your own terms, uh, working on your own terms, uh, working with the people that you believed in, uh, creating uh, a business uh, based on the, your own ethos, uh, the, the things that you saw were lacking in, in the industry. So what I and that's a huge step already. Like how and I'm very interested to learn, like what sparked that initiation for you to say, you know what, I'm my own independent boss. I'm not going to work for the man and I'm going to create my business. So what, what was that drive? Because that takes a lot of like ovaries, you know, to, to definitely. 
Well, for me, um, for me, it was I did want to have an internship, um, and I did go to an internship, and they wanted me to um, to get their coffee and dry cleaning, and I was like, I have a bachelor's degree in this, like you know, like I'm I'm definitely like not going to go and get your coffee and your laundry, you know, like. That's definitely not what I'm going to do. And at that time, I had a ton of connections more than anybody else had had. I would sit at the radio station, and all, all these artists and managers and A&Rs and label reps were all my friends. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it on my own. I'm not going to have to work for anybody. I saw my parents their whole life constantly have to work for somebody and somebody tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I definitely did not want that to be me. And it was a struggle. Listen, it was a struggle. I am just now getting to be successful in the last maybe like six, seven years. But um, yeah, it was definitely a struggle. I wanted to give up a thousand times over, but I'm so glad that I didn't. For me, it was something similar. It was, I've always been very rebellious and I've always been one to question the system and go (laughs) against the system, like always since I was a little girl. And, um, for me, it was it was it was working the way that I thought would. Always, I've always been very artist friendly, and when you're working at a label, it's always like you know here are the priorities for the next quarter, and you're you don't necessarily have an attachment to the artist, or you don't necessarily like the artist. It's just like what you have to push. And for me, if I'm not working from my heart, and if I'm not in love with what you're doing, it's very hard for me to pitch you. Because what you see is what you get. Like, I wear my emotions in every cell in my body. And if I don't love what I'm pitching, it shows. So it was just a desire to, to, to work the artists that I really wanted to work on. And also, like, I, like it's funny because when the lockdown started, I've been working from home for years. Um, and I always liked working from home. I always liked making my own hours and kind of, like, just being the boss of me. Um, that's just the way that I've always envisioned it. And, and like Mari said, it hasn't always been easy. Like it's been an up and down. But at the end of the day, I feel really proud of the fact that I've done things my way. It doesn't come easy. Sometimes you go through some times where you're like, oh my God, I just want to take a full-time job and get a steady paycheck. But then when things go great, it it's so like it's so like you feel like you're like on top of the world and that you can conquer anything that you put your mind to. And and I also love that I can inspire other women and other Latinas and other people just to like to say, you know what, I'm not going to work for so-and-so that I don't like, or I don't have to do like the sky is the limit. And we live in a country where literally anything that we put our minds to can be done. So that was, that was my, I love it. Yeah. I feel like I have elements of both of you. Um, it's funny because Kim and I heard a lot of myself in you and I, Mari can attest to this. I'm always like, ah, I, I don't, you know, I need to, I need to love that person. I need to be, you know, because I also wear my emotions on my sleeve. But, um, you know, the reason I started my company was because something a little bit more tangible, tangible and more uh, immediate, but my mom actually has kidney failure. And last year, my mom almost died because she had a trans, she had been waiting for a transplant for 10 years and she's undocumented. So it's not like transplants are being given away to us very readily. Right. So she was lucky to get one. And so 
you know, she had it for a couple months and then it didn't work and she almost died. And the doctor said she can't work. And at this point, my mom was cleaning houses still. And I was still chasing this dream. When you work for someone, like when you work for someone and, you know, there's a ceiling, like when it's more about like profit and not about taking care of your employees or like really investing in your employees, there's a cap to which how much money you can make, how much, you know, you can get from that company. So for me, you know, I felt, and I think I talked to a lot of Latinos um, about this that work in the music industry, but we feel an immense amount of guilt because we chase these dreams, right, that are very unconventional and that sometimes our parents don't support because, you know, if they're immigrants, mm -hmm. they want you to have a secure job. So I had been working for a while, you know, at several companies, and I still couldn't take care of my mom. And that was my biggest dream. That was an immense, I carry that guilt forever. So when when that happened with my mom, I had uh, I had no choice. I really realized that I had to do something. And I had built almost 10 years of, of you know, work or with people. I built this whole thing for myself. And it was just the thing that I needed to do. And I, and, and you know, Mari actually helped me with this. And this is when I realized, like, community, to really lean on your community. And I had a lot of different lessons in this because I think uh, one of the mentalities that, we continue, that our families continue to perpetuate is this idea that do it by yourself, don't bother anyone. Mm -hmm. You fall down, pick yourself up, don't bother, right? But that's not how the music industry work, it works, right? You need people, you need community. And you know, white people have it and it's called a network, right? <laughs> so when I realized, oh, you need a network, you need, your, you need your people, but if you can also have a network and make it your family and help each other and have it be reciprocal, then it's beautiful, you know? And Mari was actually, on the phone with me when, and Mari and I had just maybe become friends a couple months before, right, Mari? Mm -hmm. But we very quickly became like ugh, very tapped into each other. And um, I remember I had had not a great call with my ex-boss at this time um, in the hospital where my mom was. And I, I realized, okay, I, I can't do much more there. So I need to do this thing. And Mari was said, she's the one that pushed me. She's like, what are you doing? Start your own company. Why are you doing this? You know, what? just, you're going to be fine. She said, if it doesn't work out, will you come here? We'll figure it out together. And I was like, so overwhelmed, not just by the thing that was happening with my mom, but by, but by the fact that Mari is my competitor, technically, right? And Mari opened herself up to me in such an inc incredible way that I really had never seen before. And, you know, her along with a group of other women um, that are Latinas in the music industry really helped me build this company up. And I'm forever grateful for that, you know, because I'm the first one to go to college, my family. I'm the first one to have like a professional job. Um, and it, I didn't know what I was doing. I think a lot of times starting a business is very intimidating to everyone. It's especially intimidating when you are a first generation or you are undocumented or you're DACA or, you know, when no one in your family has had it. Even when they have, there's probably one person that has had like a liquor store or something, right? It's nothing like your own firm of something. And so it's very intimidating, um, but that's why community is super, super important. We were just speaking with these women um, and they were sharing their story about uh, their backgrounds and what it took for them to uh, create the business that they have. Uh, and what I really definitely admire from each one of you, um, and as you guys were sharing your stories with, with us, is that you guys come from immigrant parents, uh, undocumented, um, and have basically been against all odds 
to go through and still, you know, be kicking ass um, in your business and definitely be at the forefront of representing so many incredible projects. So how does that even happen? You know, when, when you're not given the initial resources from the system and suddenly you find, you know, your community, you find, like you were saying, you found your madrina, you found your, your people and you guys help each other. So, so how does that happen? I'll go first. Um, for me, I went years without support. It was kind of crazy now to look back and to say like, man, I had all these friends and they never supported. I don't think they believed that I could do it. You know, um, Danielle started a, um, a group of amazing, incredible women called the Madrinas and that, which, and this was maybe what last year, two years ago that, that like I met them. And that's for the first, like, I literally, like, after meeting with them, like, I think we went to, like, dinner one time, and I literally, like, cried. I was like, oh, my God, like, these are all women like me that are Latinas that have gone through the same thing. Um, some of them even have, like, I've never even met a Latina female and that, that was a mom. I'm, I'm also a mom. I'm a single mom. And I did all of this well raising my son and obviously like he's my first priority but this is you know limelight's my baby as well so to finally have that support it was incredible it was absolutely incredible like i feel super blessed like i feel like i can call any of them at any time and be like oh my god this is happening and then we can we all help each other out like literally like danielle said we're basically competitors but she calls me and it'll be like, hey, girl, what should I do? And I'll be like, hey, what should I do here? And we help each other out. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's enough for all of us. I want to be invited. I want to be invited into this. <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, it's been, it's been, I'm always the only woman. Yeah. Like when I was at Universal, I was the only executive and above in the entire Universal Music Latino system. And it's always been like Jimena and all the guys, yeah. Jimena and like with the bands, with the executives, with everybody. And I don't know, for me, I grew up in Colombia and I moved to the States when I was 15 and I, versus being born here, I think for me, like I never thought of like, oh, I'm a woman or I'm an immigrant or to me, it's just like, I'm a badass. I found what I love and I'm just going to go and do it kind of thing. Like, I don't, you know, obviously you doubt yourself 50 million times, but for me, it was like, I, I think that it's, I think you win the lotto when you know what you want to do. I think people go through their entire lives trying to figure out what they want to do, what they want to do. And when something like that you love just falls like that on your lap and you're like, you just like, for me, it was like, I'm just going to run with it. Um, because I think that when you think about it too much, you you start having thoughts that are unnecessary. And yeah. and like I'm, I'm like I'm listening to this to you guys, you know, talk about this group, and it's amazing because when I first started, I remember like there was a handful of us that was that were doing Latin music, and I always said I wish we could all get together and kind of like you know create like a standard of a rate of what we're all going to charge because it's like you know one would somebody a client would call me and say, but so and so is charging me half of that. Or so-and-so only charges me for the, and it's like, and I'm like, listen, that's them. They run their business the way they want to. I run my business differently. And I always wanted to like create some sort of like 
you know, for lack of a better word, like a union for us to say like, hey guys, for one client, let's not charge less than this for, or if I can't take a client, like Mary is next in line, like I'm gonna pass it to her or Danielle is next in line. Like for us to really like support one another, I didn't have that. I haven't really had that. I'm also a loner, like I admit that. So I kind of just like live in my own bubble. But if I had a, a support group and now that I'm seeing more women, because like I said, I took some time off of music. Um, now that I'm coming back into it and I'm seeing that there's all these women and there's all these women running their own business in their lives and kind of like so empowered and I love it. It makes me feel excited, proud. And I'm also about helping everybody out. I love helping people out. So yes, please invite me next time. If, even if it's virtual, <laughs> me. I, I want to come we down. Will. I yes, love, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> I love um, it. I love it. That's amazing. So for me, I think one of the biggest, you know, um, forces for this and who I am and how driven I am has been my mom, you know, because my mom is came to this country four years, 40 years ago. Um, she didn't have the best life. You know, she's a housekeeper. She, I mean, she's retired now, but she was a housekeeper her whole life. And my mom always raised me to love to love life and to love people and to care about that more than anything else because we didn't really have anything, right? And so one thing that my mom always, you know, made sure to impart on me consistently was to always be your own boss because you don't ever, you know, you can make a ton of money and all this, but you have to be able to control your own life, you know? And I, like he meant, I'm very rebellious. So like, I don't like, authority is very hard for me, especially when it's authority from a person that doesn't look like me and it's telling me what I should be like and how I should be and what my community should be like. That pisses me off, you know? And that's most of the industry, you know? So other than Latin, if you work in the larger industry, up in, when I first started in music, I was working in indie rock. Everyone was white, you know? There was like a couple of people and, you know, you, you're made to feel a certain way. And, you know, it's... a uh, it's very tough to continue to work at a place that doesn't value you, but also doesn't want you to win and continues to discredit you all the time, you know? And so my mom always told me that that was going to be the plan. And I knew that was going to be the plan at some point. And it just so happened that, you know, it just happened a little sooner than I thought because of my mom. But, you know, I always, I think we all can, feel this way, but there's this incessant, you know, feeling of desperation that we're constantly in survival mode. So for me, it was never that I could fail, right? I would go into try things that didn't work out. Okay, do something else. I knew that I had to change my life. I knew I had to change my mom's life, but there wasn't any other way. My mom did the craziest thing so that we could come out of poverty and I could go to college. And, you know, and for me, the whole time what through my 10 years of being in the industry and even when I started the company it's like there is no way that I can fail because my mom came to this country not knowing the language not knowing anything and she built an incredible life for me and for her why can't I who has an education a college education has a community understands the language has some form of resources here you know because I, I having an education is a privilege right and that's a privilege that most people don't have even just knowing english even yeah. even though i was born into poverty and you know everything it just to me my mom really instilled like she really and, she, and it's funny because i compare her like this 
you might understand the reference, but you know, Donda to Kanye, where Donda was like, you're incredible. You're everything. You can be anything you want. My mom from very early on told me the same thing. Mm-hmm. She was like, whatever dream you have, you can be that dream. You want to be a singer. You want to be the president. You want to be a doctor. You can be all those things. And that's what I really needed because outside of my mom, the rest of the world is really pushing up against us constantly, especially in the industry, you yeah. know, because as Latinas, as people of color, as immigrants, like there, there are these rules, these unspoken things that you need to know to work in corporate spaces, specifically the industry that we just don't come equipped with. Mm-hmm. So we go into these spaces and we're like, oh, I didn't know that that's, uh, I needed to do that unspoken thing because, right? So you just figure it out. I think some people figure it out, some people don't, but that's why community is so important. And I tell this to everyone, find your community because as a person of color who's already disadvantaged, you don't have these unspoken rules. You don't have the resources. You don't have these legs up. So find your people that will help you because the reality is everyone in the industry doesn't know what they're doing. They just say it really confidently. If if you're ever in rooms, you're like, let's do this rollout. Let's do this. And you're like, you're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. So when I understood that nobody knew what they were talking about or weren't experts, (laughs) really, you know, I was like, oh, I have a chance. I can do this. Just call Mari, call Joe, call these people to help me, you know, because that's how you learn. So, So, and that's another thing that I think it's really powerful that you are the only one that can push yourself, believe in yourself, but at the same time, you all also represent artists and you also have to believe in the same way on these artists and definitely push them at the forefront, have uh, convince others to believe in them as well. Like why should uh, we put an interest in this artist? Um, I guess it's, I wanted to talk about uh, the two ends of the spectrum. When you're representing a, a indie artist, uh, an emerging act, you know, versus like a superstar that everybody knows, that's a household name. Like, how you, how, what are the challenges in in a rep- in pushing, giving exposure to an artist that you're putting into your repertoire? Like, I want to hear about that that as well. Um, I'll start with that. I. I've had both. I tend to, and sometimes like like the other day I was telling a friend of mine, I was like, you know, can Enrique Iglesias just land on my lap? <laughs> <laughs> because I've always, I always tend to gravitate towards, and I think that's kind of like the the mother goose in me, like of taking the independent unknown artist and making them big. Um like I, 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 I have to admit, like I, I like the struggle. I like the challenge of doing that. Um, I've had, I've obviously, you know, like once they reach massive appeal, it's, it's a whole different story because the phone, you don't have to pick up the phone 50 million times. The phone just rings and, uh-huh. and it's amazing. I mean, I'm not going to de- deny it, but there is so much pride in knowing that it's like, like with Nathanael, like, I met Nata a year and a half, a year and eight months ago. And I remember like when I first met him, he had just gotten here and like, mm-hmm. he was this 18 year old kid full of dreams. And I've, I've always believed my, the most important thing that I want to see in an artist is that they believe in themselves more than I believe in them. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't start with them and they don't believe in themselves, I don't care how much I love you, how much I work, how many people I know, you're not going to get anywhere. You know what I mean? It starts with the artist. Like I tell every artist, it's like, you're the captain of the boat. You're like, we go wherever you want to go. 
I can tell you how to get there and I will make the sailing a lot smoother. But if you're not full of confidence in what you're doing, there is nothing I can do to change that. And I've seen it a million times. And, you know, there's, 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 to me, that's the most important part of the formula. The second thing for me is like work ethic. You know, I like, you have to work. This is not, this is hard work. Doing interviews is annoying because at some point it's like, it's the same questions over and over again, especially journalism has changed so much. Like, you know, I'm really old school. And the other day I had somebody interview Nata who was very, very old school. And when we hung up on the interview, he called me and he's like, this has been the best interview. And I was like, why did you like it? He's like, oh, wow. it was like an art. It was like a reporter that for the first time he felt was asking him real questions. Like really? right now, everything's very like fast and, you know, and the social media thing and all of that. And I feel like we've lost so much of, I'm very old school. I'm very, I have to admit it. I'm very, very old school in how I like to treat artists and interviews and stories. To me, it's all about the, how you craft the story, um, how you like, how you put the bow on the whole gift because it's the presentation and like for like all of that is super, super important to me. And with the artists, like they have to be on the same wavelength. I don't know if it was, I think it was Danielle, like you mentioned it, that, you know, from the logo, oh no, no, it was in the pat in the other panel, like from the logo to the videos to everything. It's a whole story that you have to put out there and create. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the artist needs to believe in themselves more than anybody else believes in them because otherwise it's not going to work out. Super interesting. I love that. And I, and, and he's one of my, my favorite artists that I've discovered within the past year. I mean, I think he's doing something super original and his story is really awesome. I definitely love the biculturalism as well, the hybrid of genres. I mean, it, I think it's a super cool proposal, so. He's very authentic. He is who he is. That's another thing that I think is important. You know, like I remember somebody once said to me, like, you know, if you want the new, if, if you want another Shakira, like when you have the original, like, like I, I, I think that authenticity is very important. And, and again, like I try to work with clients that are super authentic in whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like I'm very authentic in the way that I do my, pitching in my work. So authenticity is definitely one of the most important things for me as well. Mm-hmm, totally. So what are some of the uh, challenges uh, that you have encountered uh, with your business that you were able to uh, surpass? Um, I definitely want to hear about some, some experiences from uh, Mari and Danielle. Mm. I'm going to let Mari go first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, like, like honestly up until like it became cool to be latina mm-hmm. um, the last couple of years um i always had the odds stacked stacked against me i'm young i'm latina i'm a woman and then i had a baby mm-hmm. so every all those things people were like uh, it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen you're not gonna make it it's not gonna happen so constantly also you know constantly just walking into a room and me not looking like anybody else in the room was always you know always the struggle so I feel like I always had to work 10 times harder than anybody else I feel like I always had to like prove myself and I've had very uh, very many times that I've taken an artist and they were this big and I've blown them up and then they're like oh now I'm a superstar let me go to the to the PR company that's Anglo you know what I'm saying that's happened to us so many times and like I said up until the last couple of years where it was like cool to become 
you know, to, to be Latina. And, and now, you know, these type of artists want to cross over into the Latin world and Latinos want to cross over into like the urban world, which I work mostly with urban as well. Um, it's, it's gotten a, a little bit easier, but now there's like so many other people that are doing the same thing that I do. But the one up that I had was all these Latinos, all these Latin artists wanted to come into the urban world. I've been doing urban my whole life. So when they wanted to come over here, I was like, perfect, I got you, because mm -hmm. I knew how to do it. Now, it was the other way around that was a little bit harder. It was like learning, you know, all of like the Latin press. And, and, and to be honest, when you're here in LA, you don't speak Spanish fluently all day, every day. It was it was kind of a thing that you're that they're like speak English. You're you're in the United States, so my Spanish and I tell this to my girlfriends all the time. Like speak to me in Spanish because I need to make sure that I'm on point with it. I speak to my mom in Spanish every day, and I would speak to my grandmother, um, may she rest in peace, every day. But that was that was it, you know. Like I would never speak in Spanish now. You know, it's it's a thing. We're we're speaking in Spanish most of the time. I'm trying to make sure that my son knows how to speak Spanish. But that was like the biggest hurdle for me was not looking and sounding um, like everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, which you know, which I feel that. Yeah, I I definitely feel that. And we all started in the industry um, at a point where. I feel it was more challenging. Like you, you brought up a good point that like now, like being Latin is cool. That we definitely have like these like rock star superstars at the forefront of like pop music, and there's a lot more visibility for uh, Latinos uh, stateside. So uh, I'm also curious to know how you've uh, experienced that evolution when you started off. Uh, Latin music still hadn't reached that. Point, I guess, um, especially in, a, in in several genres, right? Uh, we're now starting to see it, like I said, more at the forefront. So, so I I feel like there's a before and after, and maybe in more recent times, I guess I it would be safe to say before the spacito, after the spacito, right? I guess to mark like yeah. some kind of like point. Yeah. Uh, what, how, can you walk me a little bit to how the landscape looked like then versus now for you in terms of publicity? Yeah, I can just really quickly say this. Like, I remember trying to even have conversations within people in the industry about Latino artists, and they would say, well, that's Latin, we don't do that, right? And even trying to pitch a Latino artist, don't even talk about pitching an artist that was singing, a Latino artist that was singing in Spanish. No one would even consider that. Like, outlets wouldn't consider that. It was like, you need to go to the Latin person, mm -hmm. you know? Or they would say, oh, and an editor would tell me, oh, we already have one Latino artist for this series, we're good. So there can only be one person, one Latino. And you're like, uh, that's not representative of the world, right? And especially not of America, which founded on Latinos. There's a lot of black and brown people here. And so, you know, you can totally see, I, I can totally see how these older outlets that are were predominantly white tr really embrace Latinos and Latin music. It's, it's not even just Latin music, it's really Latinos. And I think, you know, the music industry is moving slowly but parallel to where the world is going, mm -hmm. right? Because 10 years ago, I couldn't have these conversations. I couldn't have started a company based on identity. That's mm -hmm. just not, wasn't gonna happen. I remember I would try to have these conversations at Atlantic and people would tell me, stop, don't worry about it. That's not important. Stop. What are you talking about? You know, and now when I do an intake meeting or a business meeting, that's all we talk about. We don't really talk about press targets. We don't, we talk about who I am. Let's talk about the personal connection. Let's talk about, 
who we are as people, who this artist is a person which then, you know, influences or informs the story, informs the pitch, informs what kind of stuff we want to go for, what the image that we want to create, the branding, all these different things. So in that sense, it's, it's light years away from that. You know, even just, it was just 10 years ago, even five years ago. Yeah, it was, 10 years ago was ooh. a light year away for sure. A uh, light year away, yes. Yeah. One of my favorite stories was, um, the first time Daddy Yankee came to L.A., um, he did an event with Superestrella, and I was working with Superestrella, and we were giving, we were going to give gasolina away because the price of gas was super expensive. <laughs> the whole promotion was Daddy Yankee at a, at a gas station in Montebello giving away gas. <laughs> so, you know, so Armando, my friend that used to run uh, marketing for Superstar calls me and he's like, hey, we want to get media there and press there. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. So this is, somebody mentioned this. This, is way, this was 15 years ago when Gasolina came out. There was no internet. There was nothing. And it was one of those things where I'm like, oh my that God, where do I start? No internet 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least to this like, level. Where do, where do I begin? So I, I always like, for me, it was always important to always pitch the Anglo media. I'm like, the Latinos, the Latino media will come, but mm -hmm. if I, I always like to start at the top. I'm like, let me do the most challenging thing. <laughs> so I remember I called Fox and the woman that does assigning, I don't know if she's still there, her name is Carol Brashears, but you know, Carol answered the phone and I said, you know, I'm gonna fax you, because it, it was faxing back in the day, I'm gonna fax you a, a media alert for an event that I'm having tomorrow with Daddy Yankee. And she's like, Daddy who? And I'm like, Daddy Yankee, he has a huge hit name, Gasolina, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, does he play for the Yankees? And I'm like, no. <laughs> he doesn't play for the Yankees. Oh, my God, I love this. To her with yeah. But to make a really long story short, guys, and Maria and Danielle are going to, like, feel the pain. I spent the entire day pitching and faxing over media alerts. Nobody confirmed. Nobody. Oh, what? I, my heart sank, and I was like, oh, my God. And I had just started independently. Wow. I'm like, I cannot believe that my first independent gig is going to be a complete failure. I went to bed. I had to be at Montebello at 5.30 in the morning. So I woke up like around 4. I got ready. I'm in my car at 4.30. And all of a sudden, like around 5, my phone starts ringing. And they're like, you know, were you the girl that called yesterday about the Yankee thing, Daddy Yankee, the gas thing, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, that was me. She's can we come interview him? And I was like, of course. And I was like, and this is pre-social media days, you guys. Yeah. Like, this, There was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. There was no nothing. So all of a sudden, everyone, everybody, everybody wanted to come and cover it. And I was like, what happened? It turns out that the traffic helicopters saw the 3,000 people that showed up at the gas station because they wanted to meet him. And everybody's like, what is going on in Montebello? Like, everybody was like, what is this? And I remember when I showed up at the gas station and I saw the people up to make a really long story short, we couldn't get him out of the car because every time we try to get him out of the car for him to pump gas, people were pulling my hair. People were like, everybody was like, trying to jump on top of him. And I remember that day I was like, oh my God, this reggaeton thing is for real. And this is going to change. To me, I always equate it to what, what salsa was in Latin music back in the 70s. Like there was an a before and an after reggaeton. Mm -hmm. And to, like, you would turn on the Korean news, and there was Daddy Yankee. You would turn on like every single channel in the U.S. and in the country, and it was like Daddy Yankee with this thing. And for me, it was like I tell everybody, it's like you know, like Daddy Yankee changed my career. And for me, it was like this reggaeton thing is for real, and it's here to stay. And I knew it was going to take over pop, and I knew that it was, it was going to just 
completely shift music, which eventually it did. That's incredible. Uh, we only have time for one more question. And uh, one thing that I also wanted to bring up for our uh, SoundCloud creative community, uh, we do have uh, over 25 million uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud creators in our platform. And uh, from your experience, I want you guys to uh, share any encouraging words for anybody starting out in the music industry or budding entrepreneurs. What, what, would, what would you advise them? What would be your tips? I would say believe in yourself. Believe in yourself more than anything. If you don't believe in yourself, don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, like don't do it because it's like you're going to get so frustrated. Believe in yourself. And the other thing is like be authentic. Be authentic with your music. Be authentic with the way you relate to people. To me, those are the two most important things because fans can smell when you're not being authentic and they're not gonna believe you. They're not gonna drink the Kool-Aid. We're in a time where it's like, if you're trying to be like somebody else and you're trying to copy somebody else's lyrics or somebody else's vibe, like be yourself. There's nothing more beautiful than people who are okay with being themselves. Yeah. Totally. I'd say for for artists, I mean, this is for artists and entrepreneurs. I mean, this, this um, is for everybody. Don't give up and have a good team. Mm -hmm. The second that you have a good team, like, and that believes in you, and I mean, this is for, like, you know, for me, like, I have an incredible team that is always very supportive and always believes in all of our vision. And it's the same thing for an artist. When you have an artist and your team believes in you, um, they're going to fight for you. They're going, you know, they're going to bat for you and something positive is going to come from it. So just don't, but don't give up. It's a lot of hurdles to get through. I think for me, two big lessons that I learned in this journey, um, one of them is that don't ever think that you're too good, too big, too all-knowing to keep learning, okay? You need to be very humble, remain very humble, and understand that you will always need to learn more. Even me, I'm, I have a business. I've done this for a long time. I want to keep learning, you know, and it's such an important part of it. I think it's when you feel like you've learned everything and you're the shit and you can't, nobody knows more than you. That's when you, you, you hit the ceiling. I think the other thing that I tell young people is the law of reciprocity, right there, because you don't, as someone that is, you know, that has, that comes from a certain way of life. If you are a first generation, or if you are an immigrant, if you're a person of color, first person to go to college, you don't have resources, you don't have networks. So the best thing that you can do is leverage your time and energy. So it's okay for you to ask for help as long as you also give help back, right? Or give, yeah, give it back. So I think it's, you run into problems when you start to ask people for a lot of stuff. You're like, hey, can you do this? Can you, you need to invest in yourself. Me, I give people free everything, you know, because I'm not too big to give people because there's going to be a point where I need something as well. So as long as it's reciprocal, you're good. Just learn that. I think a lot of Latinos feel bad asking for things because it's a cultural thing. We're like, our parents teach us to not bother people, to not get in the way, but it's cool. It's totally cool to ask for things and ask for help as long as you give it back. Don't just take, take, take. And you will see that the world, you know, the world will be given to you because people will appreciate you. People also want help. You know, I think if you're just starting off, go around to people that you admire or that work and then what can I, can I work for you, you know, for this? Can I do this? I'll do, I don't know that much, but I, I'll do this for you. You know, 
give yourself to them in that way and you'll see that if it's a good person if it's a bad person okay use your judgment too okay that's another thing it's like there's a lot of really bad people in the industry but there's a lot there's a, a smaller group of really good people that want to support other people and so find those people and invest in those people and they will invest in you don't try to force it if it's not a good a good you know person or yeah. a good thing there because they're not even if you give yourself to them they're not going to want to help you it just doesn't yeah work. and those are some really like encouraging inspiring and just powerful words and the reciprocity law that you have is 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 incredible i think that all of you are doing fantastic work. I really look up to each one of you. Thank you, everybody here, Mari, Jimena, and Daniela, to, for uh, coming in and talking about your journey and how you rose up as an independent business women and are doing pretty killer things at the forefront of media today and definitely uh, building a community in, in Latin culture and Latin music and beyond that. So again, my respects to, to all of you and, and thanks for joining this panel. Thank you thanks for so having us. For having us. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Erica. For Bye, guys. Thanks, super. Erica. We love you. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. So that was uh, our panel with uh, three wonderful, brilliant women on how they rose uh, um, with their own business. And we're very excited to introduce our next uh, set of uh, panelists pretty soon on Music Discovery. So stay tuned with us.